welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Well, I'm back from Dubai. One week we were away, had an incredible time, and I'd love to tell you more about it, but I don't have time. But I can tell you this, I would never, ever, ever want to waste the church's money. And whenever I travel anywhere in the world, I count it a privilege and an honour to be an ambassador of Christ and represent Him wherever I go. And we had an incredible time, a time of connecting with other apostolic leaders, a time of being refreshed, envisioned, encouraged, and I've come back changed. I'm different. I'm not the same guy that I was a week ago. And I hope you love me, the new Tony, like I love the new Tony. I wake up and I'm just so grateful to God for this incredible privilege and this incredible honour. I don't know of those of you who are on Facebook. How many are on Facebook these days? Are we, getting, are we growing in number? I want every person in this church that owns a computer to get onto Facebook and Twitter because it's an incredible tool of communication. That's what the gospel is. It's a communication. And this is a tool where we can communicate the gospel. It's a tool where I can communicate to you and let you know where we're going as a church. It's an opportunity to let you into my world. It's an opportunity for you to let people into your world. I can't make you, I can't twist your arm, but I would encourage you to get onto Facebook, look up my name, follow me, follow our church. We're putting on scriptures, we're putting on quotes, we're putting on things to encourage you. YouTube snippets, uh, Mitchie Moore was over there somewhere. Where are you, Mitch? Stand up, stand up. This is Mitch. Mitchie's like a man possessed. He's just putting things on there all the time. And, and you can say, I'm not going to embrace that. And all you're doing is missing out an opportunity to feed yourself, bless yourself, help. That's all. The devil doesn't own Facebook. The devil doesn't own music. The devil doesn't own the drums. The devil doesn't own lights. It's how we use them that make them good or bad. The devil doesn't own money. It's how we use our money that becomes godly or devilish. It's how we use it. Amen? And so for those of you who are on Facebook and do follow me, you would have heard that I'm going to make a major announcement today. But I'm going to do that at the end of the service. Because I need to set it up with what I want to share today. And no, I'm not starting our identity series. I wanted to. I'm ready to. I even promised to. But because it's our birthday and because of this announcement that I want to make, I want to take you on a journey so that you get my heart. Not just for this announcement that I want to make, but also for the way I think and the way you will need to think if we're to embrace our future. You already know, because I've mentioned it already, that Victory Church, formerly known as Victory Christian Centre, too much of a mouthful got rid of that, But my heart was that we would be a centre of victorious Christians. That was my heart behind it. But as we approach this 17-year mark, you can't help but get a little bit nostalgic. I don't know if you're like that, particularly as you get older, you kind of have a little bit of a look over your shoulder. 
And there we have, I have lots of great memories, a lot of sad memories, a lot of ugly memories. And there was one thing in particular that stood out to me more than anything else as I reflected about Victory Church over the years. And I can get it down to one word for you. The one word that would define, describe Victory Church over 17 years, the one constant, the one thing that has happened every year is this, change. I mean, just look around for a minute. I mean, look around. That'll give me an opportunity to take a swig of water. Look around. Think about the worship this morning. I mean, I just had a great time in worship this morning, singing songs. That was fantastic. But I can categorically tell you this. Rewind 17 years. Everything you see right now did not exist. Our church did not look like this when we first started. Mush can vouch for that. She was there from day one. Fiona can vouch for it. She was there from day one. As was Scotty, as was Sally Ann, as was Keith Rainbow, as was Pete, as was my wife, as was I, as was Baz. There's been a lot of change. Yes, the hairstyles have changed. Thank you, Jesus. The clothes have changed. But all those peripheral, funny things aside, there's been some other significant changes. We've had to change venue. Why? Because we just wanted to? No, because we had to accommodate a little thing called growth. Who wants growth? Who Who really wants growth? Yeah, I said that. Did not know what that would actually mean. But it's meant for us as a church, we've had to change venues a number of times. We've had to change the way we do church numbers of times. And all this has been to accommodate what we feel God is calling us to in our future. The incredible church that you see today is a result of incredible change. And as wonderful as all that is, it hasn't always been easy. I say that because change never is. Change is never easy. The biggest reason that change is not easy is because people hate it. People hate change. And if there's one thing that I've learned that they hate more than change, it's fast change. Just changing things will upset anybody. When you move quickly and you have fast change, you can tick people off real quick. Because people, by and large, hate change. In Amos chapter 9, verse 13, I want to read from the message translation of the Bible this morning. It says, yes, indeed, it won't be long now, God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast 
that your head will swim one thing fast on the heels of another. You won't even be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessing. Who wants blessing? Some of you do, but you're not going to answer that because you think, where is he going with this? Everywhere you look, blessing. But things are going to happen so fast, you won't know which way to turn. Blessing. Where are we? Hand in hand. Blessing. What the heck's going on? Hand in hand. They're married. Blessing and confusion. Hand in hand. The Bible talks about us being in the last days. That was written about 2,000 years ago. If they were the last days, these must be somewhere between the last of the last days. And I believe one of the greatest evidence that these are the last of the last days is the pace of life that we live in. Things change so quickly now. You purchase an iPhone 4 one day, next day it's old. You need the next one. Things are changing and happening so fast now. And as a result of these fast changes and the pace of life, it often leads to stress that can make your life more difficult. And if you're one of those people that likes your ducks in a row, that likes order, that likes to know where you're going and what you're going to be doing and what your next meal consists of, you're going to struggle in these days. And you're going to struggle in this church. I, by nature, am a little bit OCD. I, 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 from very early age, was known as Tidy Tony. I like things in their place. I believe in order. Unlike any of the other elders on our team, when I leave my office, my desk is spotless. I can't leave my office unless there's nothing on it. I mean, it'd just be wrong. So if you're a duck in a row kind of guy, bear with me. I feel you. I'm with you. I get you. But that cannot be an excuse to not embrace the quick changes that God is wanting to do. Are you with me so far? Some of you are so OCD, you haven't even got over the fact that I'm not starting our identity series this morning. You're just freaking out because you came ready to hear a certain message. We'll get there. It's cool. Just take a chill pill. Relax. I'm here to say this, that as tough as change can be, change is good. It might not feel like a good thing, but God says it's a good thing. He says there's going to be blessing everywhere as a result of the change that takes place. And today, on our 17th birthday, I want to spend some time talking to you around change and transition. Why? Because it's crucial to our future. Today's message is crucial to our future. It's so important to me that I've placed our identity series on hold. 
I could have started today and done this message later, but there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a nowness to this word. I've walked with God long enough to know his nowness. I just haven't learned English that well, that's all. But I have heard God and know when to move. And I, thought that, and I think the significance of me sharing this message today is far greater than starting the series today because I can do that next week. But because of the announcement I want to make and because of it being our anniversary, I think it's significant that we share this message on this day. Yes, I'm going a little slower because I want you to come with me on this journey because I know how much change freaks people out. And so I really do want to spend some time talking around change and transition. And I want to highlight some things about change and transition this morning to help us on our journey. What we need to know about change is that change is the requirement for existence. Change is the requirement for existence. The continuation of any organisation depends on change. Without change, things die. The whole idea of change is to preserve what does not change. What do I mean by that? God had a plan that has not changed. His church. To in order to preserve that which does not change, we have to change. We have to change to preserve that which does not change. His plan and purpose to redeem the world through His Son, through the church. Does that make sense? The answer is and always will be the gospel of Jesus Christ being presented through His church. That's the unchangeable. But in order to present the unchangeable, we need to change. Are you getting this? Am I going slow enough? When I say that, I'm not trying to be patronising. I'm just saying, am I going slow? I need you to walk with me on this. I want you to catch this this morning. What I'm sharing with you, the business world get. There's no big, any big businessmen would just say, yeah, okay, next one, come on, move on. They get this. The church struggles with this. The church fails to understand this to its own detriment. That's why in Luke chapter 16, it says the world is smarter than dealing with its own than often Christians are. And so we need to understand it because this is commonplace for the business world. The business world understands that you cannot delay change just because somebody is uncomfortable with it. The church hasn't learned that. They try and accommodate everybody. The business world just moved forward. You with me so far? They know without change, it will affect productivity and profit. They understand that. And it's the church that needs to understand this. Many people try to make church the safe place they can go to to escape a fast, busy, changing world. And they try by their opinions and their culture to make church a museum. A place where we can feel safe because that's what we used to do. Church cannot become that place. Unfortunately for many, it has. 
That's why they are dying. Because without change, you will die. Without change, something will cease to exist. This cannot afford to become a museum. This cannot be the place where we send little kids to say, this is what we used to use, kids, an overhead projector. The church, by its very prophetic nature, should be on the cutting edge of technology. How can we present a message of a future happening if we're living in the past with all of our technology? Do you know how serious I would be taken when I stand up here and declare what God wants to do and I'm using an overhead projector? Many in the business world right now wouldn't even know what that is. Generation Y probably struggle to understand the concept of what an overhead projector is. It's a little thing that looked like E.T. Some of you don't know what E.T. is. Wally. The more the church stands still, the more people go to hell. The more we bicker and argue about the volume of the music, the more we bicker and argue about the lights, the more we bicker and argue about smoke, the more we bicker and argue about chairs, the more we bicker and argue about the parking, the more we bicker and argue about all these things, people are going to hell. And we're missing the point of our existence to go into all the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ. So we need to move forward. Otherwise we'll die. This is not a Tony thing. This is a purpose thing. This is a destiny thing. This is a calling thing. Don't you think that sometimes I look back at the way things used to be and lament? How easy it was? Do you know how much easier it was to look after 12 people with an overhead projector? Do you know how much easier that was? It's a lot easier than now. Do you know how much easier it was to set up Sunnybrook Hall than build this building? It was a lot easier. But for the sake of our future, we go through the pain. We go through the misunderstandings. We go through the betrayal. We go through the confusion. It's not a Tony thing. There's so much that we do that isn't my cup of tea. Because I preach it with conviction, you think, he's doing it because that's what he wants. It's not what I want, it's what we need. There's a big difference. So much that we do on a Sunday is not what I want. But as a leader, I have a sense in God what we need to move forward. That's why we do it. If it was just about what I wanted and what I liked, I tell you, if you want to know what my style and flavour really is, come with me on a prayer walk. I don't sing the songs pretty much that we sing now. I sing older songs. So I don't complain about the church doesn't do older songs. I just have both. I have the new ones and I sing the older ones by myself. I get the best of both worlds. Because I know the older ones aren't going to get us into the future. The older ones can appease my sentimentality when I'm by myself and Jesus and that's cool. But I'm not going to put that on to the next generation. Are you with me this morning? Lots of things need to change for this church to have a future. 
We've had to make many changes to be where we are today. And I can honestly say most of them have terrified me. I'm very tender this morning, I must admit. I will not lie and I will not hide that from you. Because I know that where we are going, some of you may not make the transition and change you need to come with us. That's sad and hard enough when you lose people you love. But when they don't know why they feel the way they do, they end up projecting and blaming and usually I'm the target. And it's usually something to do with me, at least in their thinking. When really the issue is one of change and transition that was not made. And so I'm tender because I see this glorious future, but I don't know if it includes everyone here. And that saddens me. But it can include every one of us if we grasp this message today. If we understand it. See, as a church leader, I've been many things. I've been excited. I think you've seen that. I've been passionate. I think you've seen that. I've been angry. Some of you have seen that. I've been downright frustrated. Some of you have seen that. But one thing I can honestly say, I've never been bored. I've never been bored. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I came that you might have life. He didn't say I came that you might have prosperity. He didn't say I've come that you might have wealth. He didn't say I've come that you might have comfort. He didn't say that. He said, I've come that you might have life with a capital L. Life to the full, life to the max. And I stand before you and say, you know what? I've experienced life. I stand before you and say, I feel fully alive. But this life is found on the other side of risk. It's found on the other side of pain. It's found on the other side of having a go. It's found on the other side of getting out of your comfort zone. You will never, ever, ever experience the life that Jesus Christ promised when you play it safe. Some of you are so bored, it's nauseating. Some of you are so settled, it's sad. I feel fully alive. And I feel like I'm living in the promises of God. I'm so excited. People say, oh, have you got jet lag? Haven't come back from Dubai. I'm too excited to have jet lag. Honestly, that's how I feel this morning. And I think that's good to know from a man who's led the same church for many years. Far better that than saying 17 years. Uh. <laughs> bit bored where are we going to I don't know what do you want to do I don't know you couldn't follow that person that's why people aren't following you because they don't want to be as bored as you are they're looking for someone with life they're looking for someone with purpose they're looking for something with that missing ingredient. That's something that I don't have. That, 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 they don't know what it is. But there, there's this, this thing I want and I don't know what it is. Change number two is always personal. 
change is always personal. Even when you change a structure, a system, when you change lights or technology, people are always involved with those changes. You say, well, would I just change some lights? It's not personal. It's personal because it affects us. Change always affects you. And that's why it becomes personal. And the moment we make it personal, we get upset. That's why the Israelites couldn't make it into the promised land because they didn't embrace the change. I've just been going through Exodus recently. I don't know anyone else who's going through Exodus at the moment. I've read the story many times, but it never ceases to amaze me. This incredible story of Moses standing before Pharaoh, doing these incredible miracles, incredible, 10 of them. The last one was the death of all the Egyptians' firstborn son. Incredible. Not only do they get released, but they go to the Egyptians and say, we want money, we want this. They they they, 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 They pillage, they plunder, they take everything and they get their freedom. Blessing. You know what never ceases to amaze me? Every time I read that story, within less than three days, they're grumbling. They're grumbling. You know why? Because I'm tired. I'm hot. I don't know. I don't feel comfortable anymore. I wish it was better back in Egypt. I mean, okay, maybe after three years, but three days? I mean, you think you'd be on a, you think you'd be on a high. You think they'd still be talking, man, I can't believe it. We're in freedom. It's awesome. Did you see Moses? Oh, this flipping awesome. Forgot all that. All this sort of sand and the sun. No water, no this, no that. It's always personal. Change. And this is the main thing I need you to catch today. Number three, change is situational, transition is psychological. It's not the change that does you in, it's the transition. If you don't make a good transition, you'll never enjoy the change. If you don't make a shift in your thinking, you'll never enjoy the change that is coming. See, here's the thing about change. It's coming anyway. Change in this church is coming anyway. I'm not going to apologise when it comes. It's just coming. If I can have a towel, that'd be great. Please. Thank you. But if we don't adjust mentally, we miss our time and our moment. Change without transition is no change at all. The Israelites were in bondage in Egypt. When they got set free, they were still in bondage because they hadn't made the mental transition into freedom. They had changed, but they hadn't transitioned. We see this with some single people. Some single people make the change to married life. But they never transition, so they live as singles. They don't think differently. I can't help but think that's why the divorce rate is so high. Because we don't make the transition mentally of what it means now to be a husband or what it means now to be a wife. 
But we've changed. We're setting up home. We've even got kids, but nothing's changed because you haven't approached your new season with a different mindset. We need to renew our minds. People that don't make a transition from singleness to marriage will either have a bad marriage or no marriage. Are you following me? People that are part of a growing organisation that refuse to grow are going to get left behind. And the same is true for church. This building was a change, a physical change. It was just changed. But some people couldn't make the transition in their mind. It was, it was better back at 38 Nelson Road. Because they made the change, but they couldn't make the transition. And in not being able to transition and think differently, think, think big, think future, think more people, they made it about them. But, but what about me? Where do I fit in this now? They, didn't make, they made the change, but they didn't make the transition. Change without transition is no change at all. Is this making sense? I'm trying to go really slow because being released to prepare like I do, sometimes I think, you know, because I've been sitting down and, and, and studying as much as I have you all with me, I need to go slow. I need you to come with me. You've got to catch this. Change without transition will always lead to unhappiness. If you've struggled with what's been going on in this church, it's because you're in transition. You haven't made the mental shift from what we were to what we are becoming. I look over our shoulder and think 17 years, great memories. And, and I'm not here to, you know, demonise the past. I'm not here to make the past out to be a bad boy. I thank God for our past. Without our past, we wouldn't be here today. In actual fact, if I could have my time over again, I would do it all the same. I have no regrets. Flags and all. Remember the time we used to run around with flags? We did that. We did it and we did it with passion. We're not here to demonise the past it's not about how bad the past was. The past is great, but we need to move forward. And if we don't understand what's really going on, we're going to start projecting on other things and other people as to why we're feeling like we do. In the business world, you can spend millions of dollars on changes. You can hire a whole new crop of people. But if there's no transition, the business won't change. I need to hire and refire and fire, and that's why they just keep going. There needs to be some transition. Still with me? Change is not the problem, transition is. Change causes transition, and transition causes loss. And it's the losses not the change that impacts people. And if we don't understand it, 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 we end up grieving over what we've lost, but we project onto the change. And if we can identify what the problem really is, we'll be able to deal with the real issue to be able to move forward. 
If you don't deal with the real issue, you'll project on it. It's not the same anymore. It doesn't feel the same. This church doesn't feel the same as it did in our old building. I agree. It wasn't meant to. It feels different. That's right. It was meant to. There are three, three phases to transition. One is letting go of the old way of doing things. Moses is dead. Joshua 1, chapter... I mean, don't you think it's amazing? They know, but he was saying, you've got to get it in your mind. I know you know Moses is dead, but you need to know Moses is dead. Moses ain't coming back anymore. There's a loss. First phase of transition, a loss. Then there's a second phase, which is the neutral zone. It's between the old and the new. And that's what does your head in. And the third stage is that of a new beginning, a new season, a new identity, a new energy. It starts with an ending and it ends with a new beginning. Transition starts with an end of something and it ends with the beginning of something. That's transition. And in that middle period, that's the toughest time of all. It's the emotional wilderness. It's where we lose all the things that we've known before and we can tend to have an identity crisis. Hence why I want to speak about our identity next week. And it's in this spiritual, psychological wilderness that we often jump ship when we run. When we get divorced, separation, leave church. It's in that transitional time that we often do that. It's Moses being up the mountain for 40 days. And they're like, where is he? Is he coming back? What's that? Did he die? How, how, where, where? And they jump ship and they build a golden calf. And some of you have built golden calves because you're in a time of transition. Can I say that pastors are not exempt from this psychological wilderness? It's no secret to you. I've told you many times, 2008 was the toughest year of my life. It was also the loneliest year of my life, not for a lack of friends, but for a lack of being understood. Very few people got me in 2008. They didn't. What's going on with Tony? What's up his bum? What's his problem? Who does he think he is? And the whole time I'm going through this metamorphosis. I'm trying to get my head around smaller church to big church. And it's got to be done differently. And what, guys, what you used to be able to do just doesn't satisfy anymore. It's not going to cut it anymore. And so we have friction. And because I was in the minority, it was easier just to write me off. But I saw something about future. I said, no, we can't keep doing this anymore. We can't keep living like this. We can't lead like this. We can't do staff like this anymore. We can't do elders meeting like this anymore because it's not going to cut it from what I can see. I can see something bigger. I can see something better. 
But at that moment, no one was with me. And it wasn't wrong and it wasn't right. It was just reality. It's called transition. And transition takes time. Ask Kelly Clift. Takes nine months to make a baby. You can't force some things. And if you do, it'll just be unhealthy. You can't force some things. And so I had to find something from God as I, as I tried again. As I, and I went back to God and said, Lord, have I lost my mind? I want to tell you those times in 2008, I think, I've had enough. I'm done. I'm spent. I'm finished. This is it. Forget it. Honestly, I did. I was done. But I also had enough now to know that it wasn't all this. It was this. Something's changing in my thinking. It would be wrong of me to stand up here and ever ask you to do anything that I have not been prepared to do myself. I have been through this many times before. And I will go through it again. Right now, there's another shift in my thinking. Elders and staff are feeling it. What they were allowed to do last year, you can't get away with this year. Wasn't wrong last year, but it's going to be wrong this year. Got to change. What's up his? What's wrong with, I see something bigger. It's not because of what I want, it's because of where we're going. And I know where we're going and I know what's required to get there. And this ain't going to cut it. It's not personal. We make it personal, but it's not. Is this helping? You can't stand up here on Vision Sunday saying, we're going to have multi-site services. So that, that's just one. I'm talking about multiple multi-site services. You can't do church that way, the way we're doing it right now. And so we have to be prepared to change. But the way we change well is transition. So I need to take time as a leader to tell you the problems before we look at the solution. Here's the problem. If we don't change, we're dead. If we, if we don't change, this doesn't exist. Oh, it might exist, but it won't thrive. It won't pulsate with the life of God. And I don't want that ever to happen. I posted this morning on Facebook, happy birthday, victory, 17 years today. I love you with all of my heart. I do. I love this. But I love it so much, I'm going to mess with it because it all has to change. Because today's solutions become tomorrow's problems. What helped us get here won't keep us into the future. The Israelites messed up and as a result of God's grace, he said, build a bronze serpent, put it up on a stick. When they look at it, they'll be healed. It was a solution for that time and moment. When everyone was healed, years later it became an idol and then God said, break it, smash it, it's become a problem now. There are some things we're doing right now that have helped us get here and they're going to become a problem. We've got to change it. We've got to change it. We've got to change it. My advice is stand firm in your transition. Be patient and focus on the future. 
Can our musicians please come quickly and quietly? See, my job as the leader of this church, along with the eldership team, is to put in words what it's time to leave behind and why. Can we, if, if we have to go out to the cafe to get it ready, can we just please not do that? I know some of you are getting ready for communion. That's cool. I want you to hear this. Because as much as I love this church, it has to change. And the bigger you become, the more skill is required to pull it off. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 says, If the axe is dull, more work is required. But if you stop and sharpen it, it'll bring success. See, when you're small as a church, you appease people. The standard's lower. Have a laugh at this for a moment as you close your eyes and picture this. Me leading worship. I can't sing. I don't play music, but I used to lead worship. Me. Me. Because when the stand is low enough, it's amazing how you'll do suffices. Businesses know that. But here's the thing. As we started to grow, we had more options. We actually gathered some people who could actually sing. And so it was up to me to grow or go. And guess what? Never led worship again. (laughs) Wasn't able to keep up with the talent God was giving us. Because to lead a large organization of any kind, and that includes the church, you need skill. You need skillful people. You need specific people. You need people that you didn't even know you needed before. When we thought about planning a church, I, this is what I thought it was. This is the extent of it. Preaching, tick. Hadn't even, haven't even, you know, mastered that. Praying, been praying for a couple of years. And reading the Bible. And maybe if I had a bit more time, maybe just looking after some people. That's it. I didn't think about senior leadership and associate pastors and executive teams and financial officers. I didn't think about that. Man, we were, we were so naive. We didn't even think about getting a keyboard stand. We actually used an ironing board. Day one, keyboard on an ironing board. That's how we started. Oh, it was better back in the it was better back then. Do you want that? The keyboard was about that big. Tiny little toy thing. Don't even think BJ would want to play on that. We've had to change. The larger you get, the greater quality that's needed. And that's a good thing. Because the future requires quality.
And that's cool if you're the new guy, but what about if you're the old guy getting left behind? And that's our future too. But if we can understand what's really going on, we don't have to leave anyone behind, they just step aside. But they don't have to get left behind. If you personalise it, you will. You'll feel like nobody loves you and it's not true. You start to feel like there's no love in this place, but there is, there's ample love. It's just that you're not receiving it because you're hurt because you've made it personal. But it's not. It's just required for the season. Is this helping you this morning as a church? If you don't grow, you have to go. I've learned this. It's different leading a church of 12 people as it is of one that's over a thousand. It's just different. And what we could do to get 12 couldn't sustain us to get to 100. And so my 17 years have been filled with painful decisions. Painful, painful decisions. I've had to witness many sad faces, many tears. I've received many abusive letters to get what you say you love. And it doesn't have to be that way. If we stand firm, be patient, and look to the future. When we plant a multi-site, some of the people that you're used to seeing every week won't be here. They'll be up somewhere else. And you're going to say, it feels different. It will. But it's good. Are you getting this? What's my major announcement? Well, you've probably built it up in your head so big, it's not even going to compare to anything that you're thinking. But it's just the employment of a person And it's a major decision for me because it's kind of a massive, massive reflection in freeing up my time. I'm smiling because as I think back 17 years ago, I didn't even know this position existed. I'm going to employ someone as of next week for a role I didn't even know existed. If I can be really honest with you, I didn't know it existed two years ago. And if I'm very honest, I didn't even know it existed last year. But I knew I needed someone to do this, this, this. I just needed somebody. It's just going to free me up. I can do want to tell you, before we planted this church, Pete and I prayed for two years every day, and that is no exaggeration. And we never talked about this position. We never talked about lights. Didn't know you'd need all this to even, we just love Jesus. And we still do. Just looks a little bit different. And so, what is this position and who is it? This position is that of a operations manager. Someone who can oversee staff and volunteers and Sundays and, and, and has a gift to do that. 
and someone who can be what Joseph was to Pharaoh. The Bible says with, with Joseph in charge, Pharaoh didn't have to consider himself with all that other stuff so he could just get on with leading and ruling the land. And I've been looking for that guy. And I felt God say, he's in your house. And this guy has been in the house for 12 years. And the guy I want to bring on in this role, and the reason I've taken so long to tell you all this, is because some of you in your thinking will think, what do you need one of those for? What's the point of that? But we will make many decisions like we're about to make today into the future. We will be employing people in positions I today don't even know exist. Because that's what happens in a growing bunch of people. Needs arise and we find people to meet those needs. It's not what Tony wants, what we need to get to where we're going. So will you please be upstanding? Because I want to welcome Mark Gerber to the platform. Mark Gerber! <laughs> I don't Pete, why don't you come up here? Maybe some of the elders who are close, just come up here and I pray for Mark. I know we didn't have to drag it out, but it is significant. It may not affect you directly, but it will affect you indirectly. You need me at my best. And I feel that in employing this guy, you'll get a better me this year. Because lots of what he's going to do for me, I'm telling you, lots of what I was doing you're going to now be doing. Which means I can be the creative preacher that God's called me to be. So you watch this space. This change is going to enable me to change even more. You got it? And so I've shared this message today for us as a church, but it helps you. Those of you who are struggling in your marriage, that, that, it all applies for that. Those of you struggling with your kids and teenagers and the transition, and that's it. School transition. Don't put too much on them. Don't put too much expectation on yourself to be transition. Stand firm. Be patient. Look to the future. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.